the best, the worst of TV in 2021. This is Geek Confidential. Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today, I have Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Dan Pierce, welcome. What's up? And Mo Walker, welcome. I'm glad to be here. We're going to have some fun. This is part two of our year-end podcast. We always have two podcasts, much like on Daytime Confidential. It's broken up into two episodes. We broke this one up into two episodes this year as well. The first one was movies. Now we're talking about television. So... I will also like to just make a note that there are fewer categories this year. I condensed some categories. I eliminated some categories. There are a couple new ones, but overall, the total number of categories is fewer than in past years. So, Mel... It will take less time. You're I, For once, I cannot disagree with you because I know we do this every year. I'm like, Luke, you are not telling the truth. I don't care what you say. No, he really did cut the categories this year, y'all. He, he did. It's true. I, I give you credit, Luke. Let's kick things off. And I'm going to kick things off by doing one that might stab Dan in the heart. Kill Here them already. The characters you want killed or happiest if they would be gone. And I am going to kick this off by saying half the cast of Legends of Tomorrow because they're pointless. I'm sick of them. It's absurd. And they can go. Feels so much better. Are you talking about after they've doubled the roles that the cast are playing? Like they're I playing don't care. I am, I, 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 am, I want to be down to four characters. <laughs> you can choose oh, okay, which okay. you can choose whatever you can choose whichever four suits your purposes. All of us have our own four, but there's just too many fucking characters on DC's Legends of Tomorrow and I want them all I totally, gone. I want so, them gone. I only want four. I totally so, understand we, that, Luke. I just I think you picked a very confusing moment in the show's run to pick that because well, they half just the characters roles we are not going to go into that dan I'm just we saying. are going to we are going to take the characters as they were and we're going to eliminate at least half of them because there's way too many so okay. dan who do, do you have do you, for kill them already do you do you want me to follow up on that because i also yes. have the legends of tomorrow character yes you could go ahead and follow up on it i'm done with ava sharp Oh, I've been done with Ava Sharp for seasons. Yeah, no, I've been done with Ava Sharp since she showed up. I'm so sick of her. I, she doesn't have a storybook romance with Sarah. Uh, Sarah has more chemistry with Gideon. Let's be fair here. Uh, I, I just, I'm. Who now has a body? Who now has a body? Because we so, needed like, more bodies in the in the. And we in don't the have thing. to watch Gideon and Gary sexies. Oh my gosh, this show is the worst. <laughs> And this I'm was sorry. a show, this was a show that in season two was so good and for a couple of seasons had a great run, but this show has massive problems. It's just, almost like, unwatchable. 
once once the like once the time police or whatever the agency came around it was all over then we got ava then we got gary then they killed rip three strikes they should have been out by then mo kill them already who do you want dead See, I thought y'all go play Fuck Mary Kill with the Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> no, they all just need to die. That's a different podcast. That is, hey, we we are always looking for content. We could do this, Luke. <laughs> Fuck but, Mary. It, that you know we should do that. We should do that. Yes. Mary we, we, we should do a yeah. That's what we should do. We should have we should do a Fuck Mary Kill of the whole universe for an episode. Yes, I love it. So I'm mine is also from Legends of Tomorrow. I am limiting the character I want killed off, and it's half Bishop. of them at least. I've got Bishop. Bishop's got to go first and foremost for me, because that character has been annoying me since season six. It's continuing into season seven. I'm assuming the reason why the character's sticking around because it's COVID, and they need to recycle the characters. So, but um, I'm just gonna keep it simple. Uh, and, and just say, Bishop, please get rid of him as soon as possible. Uh, Gary can go. Ava can Gary, go. Gary can cease to exist as far as I'm concerned. Mel? Well, I'm going to be a little different. I picked a, I'm happy as this character is gone. It's not from Legends of Tomorrow. I have General Sarah Alder from Motherland Fort Salem. I have wanted that character to die since the first season, and she got to die a slow and painful death in season two, and it was everything I wanted it to be. It was great. I cannot wait for season three, which is going to be the final season. That makes me very, very sad. But yeah, that's mine. Happy as she's gone. Everybody, every hero needs a sidekick. Best sidekick of 2021, Mo. For me, it is Guillermo de la Cruz from What We Do in the Shadows. He is not only a manservant to the vampires who live in the house with him, but he is also a vampire slayer, which is ironic because he spends most of the last two seasons killing vampires that are trying to kill his vampires. So Guillermo de la Cruz from What We Do in the Shadows is... My uh, best sidekick. Mel? Um, I have The Robot from Lost in Space, which aired its final season um, last month. It was absolutely phenomenal, but there is no better sidekick for a little boy than a giant man-thing-killing robot who absolutely went up for his family. His Robinsons um, sacrificed himself, managed to come back, did the whole nine yards absolutely ride or die. And that's supposed to be your sidekick. So the robot. Dan. I got Bucky Barnes and Falcon winter soldier. I, I was so disappointed by that show. Oh, see, I, I, I really enjoyed the show. I think that it explored a lot of layers to both Bucky and Sam. I really enjoyed the, like, getting more into the various atrocities that Bucky has done, the possibility of super soldier still being out there, the consequences of just the, like, I mean, Bucky sort of said it, whereas like 
you know, I don't think he nor Steve really fully knew the gravity of uh, handing Sam the shield, you know, it, especially with them being in the ice for as long as they were and the world changing and all of these different elements at play. And I just, I, I really enjoyed how supportive he was even while keeping that sort of frenemy like banter going, they, they still always had their backs. They still knew and were committed to, uh, fulfilling Steve's legacy, whatever that might be. And were I, I really am, excited for more of their show i i'm really excited for more of these little adventures that they can go on and getting to see them in full captain america and winter soldier as opposed to falcon winter soldier my um best every hero needs a sidekick best sidekick is jonathan kent on superman and lois I thought that they did a really clever job of making jonathan his brother's sidekick like cover when things were going on at the high school covering for his brother but also um building the relationship between them as like flipping roles where one had been the popular one and the powerful one quote unquote at least in their old school now things have changed because jordan has powers and is using them when he's playing sports but yet jonathan didn't get too jealous about it. There was a little bit, but for the most part, he was playing the good brother, the person who's helping out his brother go through the struggles that he's dealing with as he's coming into his powers. I thought they did that Superman and Lois did a really good job telling that story. And I thought that it was a, a unique spin on a sidekick. Um, and I'm looking forward to the new season that is returning. Uh, Biggest frack up, Mel. We make the rules up as we go along because I got a three-way tie. Okay, Look at here. here. I am so yep. proud. I am making it my oh, after all boy. these on, years. Boy. I am so Come proud. On. If Luke can pick an entire movie for his last first category on the other podcast, yeah, I'm doing this. Okay, so first up is Mark Grayson, a.k.a. Invincible from Invincible. That baby didn't do anything but mess up the whole show. And it was all because he thought he could do everything. Oh, I could do this. I could have this girlfriend. I could go to this planet real fast and defeat all these villains. And I could do it. And he spent the whole series getting his butt handed to him. And I don't mean just like, oh, he's got a broken arm. Mm -mm. No, we're going to have to put you up for a couple of days in one of them iron lungs. That's how bad it is. He just, he couldn't get it right, bless his heart. Next up is whoever is responsible for that last season of Black Lightning. Yeah, I don't... Whoever whoever was behind the scenes, whatever was going on, I don't understand how y'all fracked that up so bad. It was consistently great for two seasons, and then the third season was unrecognizable. I don't even... (laughs) Hot Mess Express, okay? And the last one comes from Superman and Lois. It is Mr. Jordan Kent. Oh, you want to talk about a teenager? I I get it. I understand. You're not going to know everything. You know, you have these powers that you've inherited from your father. You don't understand. But he, he just couldn't ever quite say, you know what? 
let me just fall back a little bit. Let me not try to go after some girl and let me not try to outdo my brother. Nope, I got to try to do everything at the same time and put everyone in danger and almost uh, destroy the entire earth. It's all behind him and his little shenanigans and I can't do it. I just, it's not for me. So yeah, three for three right there. Biggest Dan, frack ups. Biggest frack up? Uh, the award, the Barry Allen Award for biggest frack up goes to Sylvie from Loki. Because killing he who remains and messing up the entire multiverse is very Bar- Barry Allen. It's just so Barry Allen. It's so incredibly Barry Allen. You literally have to like trick the the person that you're with and like, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. Oh, now she did it. And now suddenly the multiverse is screwed. Everyone's screwed. Nobody remembers Loki. Nobody remembers the, the whole situation. Screws up countless realities. But, you know, here we are. And now we're all having to deal with the consequences within the MCU. I I'm really interested to see where it goes from here because holy cow did she screw up. Mo for me, well, first off, I want to give a cyber high five to Mel for mentioning how uh they fracked up the final season of Black Lightning because that was just terrible. Uh but my biggest frack up is the Flash for introducing those different forces. That was a hot mess from the M to the S. Yes. I mean, Barry and Iris having quote-unquote children or giving birth to these human incarnations of these different... No, these different forces, which then took on human personas and you really kind of they never really kind of gelled as concepts one i think second that um at this point in this show's history it needs to be looking towards figuring out you know in game in game spin off paths which it's kind of doing but it doesn't need to be playing with concepts from the comics, which only half-assed work, okay? It just it doesn't have time for that nonsense. Then they got to use this to write out Iris and, and, and yada, yada, and they still carry some of this nonsense over into the subsequent season. I just feel like at this point they are just reaching for these really lamer, weaker Flash concepts and they really need, as Luke said, need to get that ducks in a row for an end game. Okay. I don't have the the flash on there, but if there was if if there was a danger, darling, danger category, the flash would be on it for me because watching it this year, the crossover was terrible. The the last half of the season, the pre- prior season that ended in May, was just what the blank. It that show is in so much trouble creatively. It feels 
like it's on the verge of going Black Lightning season three bad, and we're not very far from it. I really hope this turns around. My biggest frack up is number 16, a.k.a. Uh, and I'm not going to pronounce this right. I apologize. Song Ji Hun from Squid Game. That character was so fucking annoying. He screwed up everything. Everything. And he still won all that money. And then he had to go and act like he or couldn't take it. And so he didn't use the money after everything he went through to improve anybody else's life for the most part. And then he decides he's going to go back to the island. I about blew it. I was so annoyed. <sighs> I feel a little bit better. Buffy Summers Hero of the Year Award goes to who, Mel? For me, it was Superman from Superman and Lois. I mean, it was a true return to form for Superman on that show. What a phenomenal show. Let's just start there. How the writing is great. I think the cast is super strong. I also think the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. But Superman did his job. He's supposed to be the hero. He His goal is to make sure his family is safe, also while protecting the rest of the Earth. And I feel like he was successful, even though he had, you know, Edge and uh, um, Steel showed up, giant irons and all of these other outside factors. Still, at the end of the day, he's still our Superman. Okay, Dan. Uh, for me, I chose Kate Bishop from Hawkeye. I I think we really got to see something special. Uh, Haley Steinfeld's portrayal of Kate Bishop and getting to see her. You know, from a little girl getting attacked by the Chitari during the Battle of New York, during the first Avengers, all the way to being this pro archer who is so good that she ends up getting in trouble at school for like trying to show off and resulting in the taking down of an entire clock tower, uh, all the way to learning how to, you know, scope a room and be a detective and you see that she has martial arts prowess and the elements of being a hero. And then finally the culmination of her accepting a life of no fear, jumping out of that building, taking on Yelena, taking on the, 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 um, tracksuits, uh, and then finally getting accepted into you know the barton family after having to do the heartbreaking but right thing in arresting her mother on christmas like she did things not because they were easy but because they were the right thing to do and for that we really got to see the makings of the next generation of avengers and i think she was hero of the year as a result mo for me, I'm going to go with uh, Supergirl, Melissa Benoist. Um, and the reason for that, and it's not because the show creatively had a stellar year. Well, it I did not. It did not. I'm not going to defend that. But what I will defend is the fact that we have had six seasons of a Supergirl show. Okay. And the fact that we need to, I think that. Fans of Superman, of the Superman mythos, 
needs to celebrate that fact that we had the show. We had an actress who was willing to take on the role and the and the and the wonkiness that comes with the character of Supergirl. Okay, but I will say that for me, the best parts of Melissa Benoist's portrayal as Supergirl is her relationships with the other members of the quote-unquote super friends, um, in particular whether it's Alex, her sister, um, it's Lena Luthor, um, it's Dreamer, it's Brainiac 5. I love those relationships, okay? And it really showed throughout that season. I love the dynamic, her, her going up against Lex Luthor again, because I think that was always that character's best villain and i love the finale how you know they got the super heroics out of the way really quickly and you know it was really at the end of the day was about you know Kara finding her identity looping back in cat grant which i really love so for me i have to say my superheroine of the of um 2021 is supergirl because at the end of the day you know, I, I think the character really lived up to what it means to be a super. My um, Buffy Summers Hero of the Year Award goes to uh, Kate Bishop, Haley Renner on Hawkeye. This one snuck up on me. I was not expecting to enjoy her as thoroughly as I did, but she actually sort of reminded me of an early Buffy, Buffy Summers in in terms of her taking on the challenge, her having questions, and I thought it was really well done. Really well done. The Joffrey Baratheon Villain of the Year. Dan, who do you have? I have John Walker from Falcon Winter Soldier. I know it's a little bit of a different type of pick. It wasn't an amazing year for villains as far as I'm concerned, but getting to see a guy who thinks he's a hero, but is so entitled and just has so many yes men around him and is trying so hard and then ends up falling and then becoming a little bit unhinged and like, getting swayed into a, a line of work that may lean morally questionable sort of sends me into like, Oh no, this guy is actually the villain of the show. Even though he believes he's the hero that is dangerous. I, I really liked Wyatt Russell's portrayal of the character and I'm excited to see where they go from there. Mel, or I'm sorry, Mo. See, you know, I'm going to go for a messy pick because I had a safer pick, but I'm going to go for mess in this one. Mess makes villain, for good podcast. Mess. My, my pick is Joss Whedon because. Ooh, ooh spill the tea. Because like the Nevers, that should have been a that should have been a slam dunk. That was X-Men. That was a steampunk Victorian X-Men. That, that should have been very simple. OK, we had too many subplots. There were some interesting characters, but you could have cut off a third of them. OK, not just and plus the backstage drama. Because of other things that happened on the set of some films, which I will not name. OK, bled over 
into Just this sleep. show. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that yeah. bled over into the nevers, causing you know the people who are working behind the scenes on this show to have to, you know, feel the heat for something they ain't necessarily have anything to be a part of. Okay. Um. That led to like a new change and a new showrunner and so forth and a retooling. HBO is, is is HBO HBO Max is retooling the show. Boy, they're going to gonna need the a, se- they're going to need to buy out Auto Plus to retool that show. Let me just what? put it that way. And and I'm just saying that Napa it, it, Auto Plus. <laughs> you going to talk overhaul? But the fact is, it, it's going to be quote unquote retooled and brought back for the second half of this new season in 2022 uh tw- later on in 2022 I, again i think there was it was it's clear there's something there in the concept that works there's chemistry between several of the characters who are the touched i just think you know there were just too many dot layers too too many plots too 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 many extra extraneous characters in addition to the the backstage drama that kind of weighed this down. My pick for villain of the year is number one on squid game. Um, on Netflix. I thought something was up with that character from the very beginning. And I will admit that the show suckered me because I thought he was gone, but I was like, He's gone, but we never saw a body. It was sort of that type of thing. We never actually saw him die on screen. So when he shows up in that bed, deathly ill, I was like, that bastard. I thought that the the actor was phenomenal. I know the Golden Globes had some issues, um, but I'm happy. I believe the actor won a Golden Globe for his portrayal. Um, I it was it was a villain that I did not expect to be a villain, but I knew from the beginning that something was up. I didn't expect him to be the person who was helping fund the whole thing. But I knew something was up with him from the beginning. It was just, there was just something about him, the character. Uh, Mel, who do you have for Villain of the Year? Mine is The Shade from Stargirl. What a smooth villain. Just even his interest was smooth. You just come up, you see the black smoke rolling, and he appears in the shadows, and that was just his thing the whole season. And every time you knew he was coming, it would just get dark, and the shade would come. And, you know, he's a British actor, uh, Jonathan Cake, who is fantastic. And it was just so great. I love to see him interact, you know, with the kids. And he's basically, he's trying to make them scared of him so they will not actually try and go after the real villain of Eclipso and he was not successful but he did try and I love that he always really totes that line between yes I'm a bad guy but sometimes I could be a little good and it looks like he will be back for the next season I'm excited my next two the next two categories are two of my favorites every year the first is I ship them I really ship them favorite couple of 2021 I think Mo it's your turn to start Sure. I, I'm going to go with Diana Bishop, Bishop and Matthew the Claremont from A Discovery Ooh. of Witches. 
I mean, they sizzle this cup. I mean, again, again, you get true blood vibes, but I have to say it's much more romanticized than what you got you got out of True Blood because again, Diana Bishop, even though she comes across initially is this bookish, nerdish, but as she comes into her power, especially over the course of season two, you can see that there's all this rage and anger that's been building up towards her because it's either people trying to manipulate her, people trying constantly un- underestimate her, want to kill her over nonsense. And you know what? She pulled out a Jean Grey, and when she pulled out her Phoenix was ready to burn mothers. I mean, my girl showed out. And then her partner, her husband, Matthew de Claremont, okay, you know, he a vampire, so, you know, he broods and so forth. You know, he got that extra layer of darkness because of all this family histrionics and so forth. But the fact is, is that they respect each other's past. They will argue in an episode, but they may agree to disagree. But when push comes to shove, they got each other's back. And, you know, that's a potent combination. And going into the final season, you know, they are ready to kick ass. Uh, What's interesting for for me about that is the vibe that it gave me was Outlander with magic. They remind me very much of the Outlander couple. Uh, Mel, who do you have as I ship them? I really ship them. Now, y'all know this is usually my West End category where I have to go on and on about them, how much I love them. And I do still love them, but they were not my couple of the year. This one, new couple from a new show. My pick this year, though, is Nikki and Henry from Kung Fu. They are brand new from the show. Uh, it just premiered 2021. It is fantastic. If y'all haven't had a chance to see it, it really um, got me because I did not expect to like it this much. And I even got my mom into it. So there's that. But love Nikki. She's always a super strong character Character who wants to do all of the right things. And she gets involved with Henry because at first he's helping her with all of the artifacts. And he follows along everywhere. And he basically is... Her sidekick, essentially, for all of her shenanigans. And it just becomes this romance, and it's super cute, and I love it. I can't wait for more from the both of them. Uh, Dan, who do you have for a favorite couple? I have the geek couple to end all geek couples. I got Lois and Clark from Superman and Lois. It was such a cool experience getting to see more of Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Bullock's portrayal of the the super couple in in real like just getting to see them on screen for longer than, you know, the crossovers or anything like that. They've always had great chemistry during those crossovers, but getting to see them interact with their kids and the hassles of real life and seeing Lois in action, being a reporter and balancing all of these different uh, elements of their life together. And it just, I, I, I root for them so hard. I never want to see anything tear them apart. I I want them to be like that that just like standard couple. Like let let's have other drama in the show 
with other couples that aren't Lois and Clark because there's just something so great what about other couples. Oh, sorry. What? There's only one other couple, right? I mean, other than the teens. I, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, there's the teens. Like, who, who knows how many couples they'll introduce? Lana and saying. her husband. Like, Lana and her knows? husband, right? The 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 commander, uh, Commander Lane or whatever, he could get a lady friend. Who knows? My pick for I ship them, I really ship them is who Mel picked, Nikki and Henry of Kung Fu. I was not expecting to have such a wonderful slow build romance, but also there was a little bit of the unrequited, not unrequited, but like, should we, should we not? Do I want to risk it? Do I not want to risk it? That element, I thought they did a really good job of telling a or building a romantic arc for these two characters. And they were definitely my favorite romantic couple of 2021. Kick that ass. Best fight scene. Let's see. Mel, I think it's your turn to go first. Or I could be um, off, but I, we're going to go with you. I have all of the Lokis battle the Lioth in Loki, the series on Disney+. Plus. I loved seeing Tom Holland reprise his role as Loki in his own subtitled series. It was a really great series. The one I enjoyed more than I thought I would, but part in which he meets all the different variants of himself you know there's the girl version sylvie and then there is classic loki and kid loki and boastful loki there's even an alligator version of loki but they all team up in the void to battle the lieth and it was awesome I loved every part of it. They were eventually successful and it led them to he who remains, but that's the one that stands out for me. Dan? Uh, I'm staying in the Disney Plus realm and I'm going to go with Wanda versus Agatha in WandaVision. I, you know, as much as people complain a lot about like, oh man, a CGI fight where they're just shooting magic... This is the first time in a long time where we get to see a fight that has like a purpose where like it had been building over time. And the fact that she's shooting magic in certain directions and missing ends up paying off because spoiler alert, Agatha inadvertently taught Wanda the the ceiling spell that would inherently disable Agatha. It was amazing. I was so into it. And the portrayer, you know, Elizabeth Olsen and Catherine Hahn are such rock stars. I loved every second of it. And I'm just, I, I'm excited for more Wanda in the movies and I'm exci- excited for uh, Agatha Harkness series. Uh, Mo, who do you have? For me, I'm going to go with uh, Invincible. But in particular, uh, there were so many just kick-ass fights throughout that show. But uh, one of the one of the fights in which Invincible really got his ass kicked was in Episode 5 when he fought Battle Beast. And, you know, Battle Beast, <laughs> you know, it was first invincible versus titan and then the two of them teamed up to take on battle beast and then battle beast is just beating everybody's ass and then you know the global guardian shows up and it's just very bloody and as mel said uh, earlier you know mark seems to end up in an iron lung it's it's just brutal 
it's bone crushing, it's it's bloody, it's it's fantastic. And the fact is, with animation, you can get really, really great fight sequences. Mine is also Wanda and Agatha for everything that Dan said, so I won't dive into it because he covered it pretty well. Uh, so that leads us to female TV entertainer of 2021. Dan, who do you have? I got Elizabeth Olsen. I could not get enough of WandaVision. She had encapsulated, like, we were all stuck inside for so long. Uh, WandaVision became this show that we obsessively watched and seeped into a mainstream culture in a way that, like, a lot of different shows just hadn't. I, I'm not saying, like, geek shows or, like, uh, niche shows or anything like that. I'm I'm saying like this was a show that had people guessing left and right and, and made them ask questions and there were conspiracy theories and memes and all sorts of different stuff. And throughout all of it, throughout all of the hijinks that each of the decades that she was uh, showing homages in and that um, Vision was showing homages in as well, I like she just shone through. And then at the very end, when you get to see all of the pain behind her decision to create this uh, false world, this false reality, this false family, I like you got it. She really sold it all and really like just knocked it out of the park. I was, I was enthralled. Um, so yeah, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Mo. For me, it is uh, Haley Steinfeld, uh, Kate Bishop from Hawkeye. She also portrayed, uh, she did the voice of Vi from the anim- of Netflix animated series Arcane. And she was the, she's the star of uh, Dick- Dickinson on Apple TV Plus. She plays Emily Dickinson, which is not a geek show. But I'm just going to say that. But it uh, has fantasy elements. It, it does have some fantasy elements. I will say that uh, for her to stand out, a standout year just to be on multiple shows uh doing really good work particularly on hawkeye for me i wasn't really sure what we would get in terms of a live action kate bishop i think Haley steinfeld exceeded my expectations for the character i'm looking forward to future installments of whether it's hawkeye or something else hopefully they'll eventually do some sort of young avengers show or film in which we will continue to see Haley Steinfeld as, as Kate Bishop Hawkeye. Mel? My one division, but it is Miss Catherine Hahn. For me, she had the true star turn of the year. If you you didn't know who she was at the beginning of the year, but you absolutely know who she is now at the end. Of course, she portrayed um, the main villain, Agatha Harkness amazing I, I love what she did with the character and now we know that Echo Harkness is going to get her own spinoff series and I attribute a lot of that to the greatness that was Katherine Hahn um, you know she got numerous nominations from multiple award shows for this she is all she was also just did the um, facts of life kind of reboot thing that they do every now and again live in front of a studio audience and she nailed it there so I'm so excited for her because she has played 
kind of the supporting actress for a very long time. So it's great to see her finally get her recognition and be the lead actress, Catherine Hopp. Mine, my female TV entertainer of 2021 is Rachel Scarston of As Alice on Batwoman. Um, Batwoman as a show has some issues, but one of those issues has never been, and I doubt ever will be, Scarston's portrayal of Alice. Alice is so watchable. And the character is the reason why you tune in. I don't care about Batwoman. I don't care about the other supporting characters by comparison. All I care about is Alice. And that's the reason why I watch Batwoman because Rachel Scarston is so compelling as Alice. Male TV entertainer of 2021, Mo. For me, it's uh, Anthony Mackie. Sam Wilson on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He was on an Amazon series called Solos. Uh, He portrayed a character named Tom, and he was also in the Netflix uh, movie Outside the Wire. He played a um, an android named Leo. For me, uh, for me, the the role that stood out uh, for me for for Mackie's performance this year was um, his, his portrayal as Sam Wilson, who you know went through that evolution of. Becoming of leaving behind the nest, so to speak, evolving from the Falcon into Captain America, taking on those racial issues that come with taking on the iconography of an American icon that traditionally is seen to to be in the role of a of a white male, and I think that that part of the narrative they handled really well. I think. Mackie's performance was really strong and 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 was and was pretty well grounded. Uh, for me, I I think that you know being able to do all these other projects outside of an MCU show shows Mackie's range. Look, and I'm really glad that they're, they're already talking about doing the next Captain America film featuring uh, Mackie, continuing to be his version of Captain America. Mel, my Mel entertainer of year is Mr. Matt Bomber. Hadi, he is returned as Larry Trainer slash Negative Man on Doom Patrol. Did a great job. His character really had kind of a main arc this year, and he was fantastic as usual. He also went back and did a little work for American Horror Story on their spinoff um, on Hulu, American Horror Stories. He had a little bit there. He did some voice work as well for on the DC side. Again, um, what is it called? Justice Society, World War II. So he's really had a great 2021. And I always love that he's an old guiding-like actor. He was being back in the day. So kudos to him. Dan, who do you have? Uh, My male entertainer of the year, uh, I have Jeremy Renner uh, for his portrayal of Clint Barton and Hawkeye. He also spent the year uh, with Mayor of Kingstown, which also was a really popular show, and he even voiced uh, Hawkeye on What If for a few episodes. But uh, in the main series, Hawkeye, we finally got to see Clint Barton really dealing with a lot of the emotional fallout of losing uh, Natasha and being the one that survived and being like a father again after losing all of his children and his wife and dealing with the society that both commercializes and memorializes his heroics 
in a way that makes him feel uncomfortable. You know, we, whether it was, uh, Rogers, the musical or like even the way that Kate sort of molded a lot of her life toward like toward Clint and Hawkeye and stuff like that. And just shaped her future toward archery and, uh, heroics and wanting to do better and stuff like that. Like you could tell that it made him uncomfortable until he realized that it was, it was beyond him. It wasn't about him. It was about something bigger and it was really cool. I thought he did a fantastic job portraying this character and I'm, I'm really excited for the future because Haley Steinfeld's going to knock it out of the park, but I'm only like, I'm just thankful that we got this because not only did it give us a fun Christmas adventure, but it also, if this is the last time we see Clint, I'm kind of okay because we got to see him go out on top with his family, with the future safely and securely in the hands of Kate Bishop and making peace with Yelena. It's all good. My male TV entertainer of 2021 is Tom Hiddleston from Loki on Disney+. Plus. Loved him in the movies. Loved every minute of him in the his self-titled TV show. I cannot wait for another season. I can't wait for more of him, period. Fantastic. Cancel it already. Worst show of the year. Uh, Mel. So... This show actually got canceled and the Netflix brought it back. Uh, it was manifest on NBC. I know I'm the only one and me and three other people out there. We're still sticking with it on NBC and it had gotten absolutely ridiculous. Y'all, they had brought in a piece of Noah's Ark and I was like, uh-oh, see, y'all messing with Jesus and you can't do that because what's going to happen? And they got canceled. And I was like, oh, well, at least I don't have to try and watch and see what happens at the end. And then it was the number one show on Netflix for like three months and they managed to bring it back. So apparently it's coming back and I don't know why because that last season was awful. So, Will you watch the new season? I need to know what happens at the end. I need to know what happens to the doggone plane. But at least on Netflix, they release it all at the same time, and I can skip it to the episode where I find out what happens. So, Okay. Dan, who do you have for Cancel It Already, worst show of the year? Listen, I love Candace Patton, and I love Grant Gustin. But The Flash needs to end. It is bad. It is not a good show. It is... It, it is creatively worse than any other CW show I no, watch. And no, that's saying something. No, because no, I watch Riverdale. No, no, no. I no, watch Riverdale. No, I watch no, Legends of Tomorrow. No, no. Legends of Tomorrow is a million times nothing. shittier than The Flash. Legends of Tomorrow is a thousand times shittier than The Flash. A no, thousand. Absolutely not. It oh, is terrible. No. It was bad, but it wasn't Black Lightning season three. Bad. It was not bad. It was yeah. not Black Lightning bad. It was not the Legends of Tomorrow bad. There is under no circumstances is The Flash as bad as either of those two. It wasn't even as bad as Supergirl was for a couple seasons. It's not that bad by comparison to those three other DC Universe shows. Listen, I like I just haven't been sold on these new characters like Allegra, Chester, 
I, I don't. I, I don't they care. have done a ter- They have done a terrible job. Kids, they have kids. done a terrible I, job I of integrating characters. Well, like, they why, have done a terrible job. Why are we doing job. anything with uh, uh, I, Bart? And, the storylines uh, are still more cognizant on the Flash than they ever have been on Legends of Tomorrow for at least three seasons. And you I know mean, why you, that is. Because we have the strongest actors in superheroes in Candace Patton and Grant Gustin leading the charge. But but what I am saying is the quality of the writing that they are acting is still way better than the quality of the writing on Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. That by comparison to what we have put up with on Legends of Tomorrow. That is yes, nothing. That is nothing. That is nothing. No. Never. Does she think she's Reva Shades? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair to Iris, that whole arc, you know, that has been, that's a flash trope from the comics for many years. So they had to play that card at some point if you're dealing dealing with a mirror villain. So to, to be fair, I, I mean, the problem was with that arc, in my opinion, was that COVID screwed that up because it should have ended much right. sooner. But then it had, but See, because of COVID, here, it got broken up and spilled over to the next season. Here's the thing about The Flash versus DC's Legends of Tomorrow. You can actually attribute a lot of the problems that The Flash has had due to issues with COVID. But the last few seasons of Legends of Tomorrow predate COVID. You don't think islanding Sarah is COVID related? Like there's so many. They were doing that before. D that Legends of Tomorrow has always been primarily a mid season show, and when it comes on on mid season, it is always. I mean, the mid season started before COVID started, so the stuff that w- like the stuff that happened in early 2020 that was so awful was already planned. Everything on the the difference between the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow is Legends plans the shit, whereas the Flash reacts to it. They like well, you. You mean to tell me that this going out and alien shit was COVID related? No, it wasn't. There wasn't a single thing about them going out into space and I was going to say Rory. Um, <laughs> And him having brain sex with an alien. <laughs> that there's being nothing pregnant with 50 children. Right, right. There is nothing about that that you can say is that's not COVID. That is what they are choosing to do with the characters. They had a triple nipple. How many seasons ago? That turned into the eye of Sauron for all we care. I mean, this is what this show does. And for many years, they did it well, but the last few have been shit. And to compa- say that that is better than The Flash? No, 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 no. I don't well, like what The Flash is putting out. I, I just, well, I'm not, I, I am not, I am not saying that what The Flash is putting out is good. Do not get me wrong. It has been in, a, it's been in a rough shape. I think that it's actually been in more of a rough shape since Arrow has gone off the air and I don't. I'd never realized how intrinsically those two were connected in terms of like needing each other to balance each other out. But without Arrow, 
The Flash has sort of gotten off the rails. I am not saying that The Flash is good because the last season has been really rough, but it is still better than Legends of Tomorrow's brain alien sex and triple nipples that turn into demon eyes. I'm sorry. I was going to say, though, sorry, go ahead. part of the problem with well, the Sarah business, her getting islanded, that was due to crisis in filming. And the problem with The Flash, for me, the genesis of it started post-crisis. Because it seems like everything was building up to crisis. And then once Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, they these shows they could not... Do. They didn't know what to do. It, and, and so that, to me, is the... Is, is, is is a problem. Um, it's a but problem it's the, across it's five shows, though. Like Batwoman had problems after that. Supergirl had problems. Well, Black well, Lightning well, had problems. Well, Batwoman's Batman. problem. Batwoman's problem was lead. Batman. That was backstage and legal. That's entirely different. Uh-uh. I'm just saying all of Dan, them had problems post right. or post crisis. <laughs> We're not post COVID. We're not post COVID. But still, none of them are choosing to write the nuts shitty storylines that Legends of Tomorrow is choosing to write. Like, none of them, not even Supergirl, which had been pretty tough to watch for a couple seasons, was never as bad as the most recent seasons of Legends of Tomorrow. Mo, who do you have for worst show of the year? Well, I can't say it's not a CW show by any stretch of the imagination. It's a show that I was really looking forward to, but I am highly disappointed in. That is uh, Blade Runner Black Lotus, which is airing on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network and uh, Crunchyroll. I I, I was hoping for a show that was a little bit more connected to the Blade Runner uh, mythos. And what I got was a piece of sneaky garbage that I found so boring that I literally fell asleep watching the first episode. I I got uh, when I woke up, I tried to force myself to watch the first episode again, which I got through. I got to the second episode and I got to the end of that. And I just threw my hands up and I said, screw this. I got better things to watch and went on with my life. So I have a three-way tie. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. The first should come as no surprise um, based on the argument that I just had with Dan. Legends of Tomorrow needs to kill off off half of its characters and then end. Just end. It needs to go off the air. It, like, reintroduce the original characters back into the remaining shows in some form and put us out of our misery because it has become unwatchable unwatchable i can't even watch for the act the characters and the actors that i've loved since they were on other shows that's how unwatchable it's become and what they're going to be doing with constantine in the future is even worse next mo brought this one up but the nevers should have just been put out of its misery I had so such high expectations for that. But when I got done watching it, I was like, seriously, that's it? I felt like I had been cheated. Out of my time, out of my investment, out of my caring about a um, 
I was going to call it Funko Pop, and that's not it. A steampunk type story. I was sadly disappointed. The third one goes to a show on Netflix, which I vaguely remembered the anime. And so I was excited to see what the live action version would be and couldn't even make it through the first episode, Cowboy Bebop. Could not handle it. Nope, 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 nope. Best new show of 2021, Dan. Uh, I've talked about it before, but it's WandaVision. Like, WandaVision had... The like the cultural like eyeballs on it, and there were so many conspiracy theories and just intrigue and people being like, "Oh, what is this an homage to?" And so like, it just it had so many things. It took so many great side characters uh, from various uh, Marvel movies and just sort of combined everything together, and we got some cool easter eggs we got some frustrating easter eggs i'm looking at you evan peters uh but all in all it was a great time i highly recommend it mo um i'm going out of the box on a little bit on this one and i'm gonna pick uh foundation which is on apple tv plus it is a reimagining of isaac asimov's uh foundation series it is hard and i mean really hard core space opera i've heard it, it's really good i, I it wish i had i wish really i had good i wish i had um apple plus apple tv plus but i don't but i've heard it's really good yeah i mean it so i would i would say to summarize it it's it's basically um it, it it spans over multiple decades in this one season alone you start out with this uh mathematician harry selden he comes up with this algorithm that predicts the fall of this galactic empire that is led by this um these three emperors brother day brother night um brother remember the uh uh, brother dusk and lee pace and if you're uh roman the executioner he plays uh brother day and it's the way it operates is they keep cloning themselves, the emperor, and that's how they stay in power. And through a series of events, you find that the empire is crumbling on the outskirts and that uh, war is breaking out, rebellion is breaking out, and that Lee Pace's character and Terrace Mann's version of the same emperor are just constantly trying to hold their grip. And in the meanwhile... um, Jared Jared Harris's uh, character, uh, Harry Seldon, he has cobbled together basically this group called the Foundation. Um, it, it it there is a lot of biblical terms with and and allegories within this. What I really like about Foundation is that when these books were written, they were written pretty much with the with the per, uh, with the protagonist as being white males, and they've switched it up in in 2021. Whereas black females are now the central characters who will ultimately bring about saving the the galaxy. And I think that one, it had it just looks phenomenal. I mean, this is not a cheap looking show uh, at all. Have you seen a cheap looking 
Apple TV show. No, 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 I okay. have not. And and I will say that it it it's one of those shows where I really want to watch, listen to the podcast that complements the show just to get the added content to know what's going on because there's so much here. So if you do like hardcore sci-fi, you know, definitely check out Apple uh, Foundation on Apple TV Plus. Mel, best new show. Well. My pick was WandaVision, but since Dan already mentioned that and we've talked about it in an extent, I'm going to go with my backup here. I have to go with Kung Fu on the CW. That show is just so fantastic. I love seeing Nikki and her family and how she always has love for her family, but she knows that she's different from them and she had to follow her heart. And I love all of the rich Chinese history that we get. And it's got all of these supernatural elements. And it's really a show that just sucks you in. I'm so happy it got renewed for another season. But I think it is on HBO Max. If y'all want to watch it, it's on the CW app as well. Please go through and watch it. Even I got my mom to enjoy it. And she is is not her thing. This is not her thing at all. Even she was like, I can't wait for this. It's great. So y'all go ahead on Kung Fu. My best new show is Shadow on Bone on Netflix. I loved it. I had not read the books, but it made me want to read the books. It made me buy the books. I loved it. I loved the show that much. The The cinematography was amazing. The costumes were amazing. The characters were fantastic. Loved it. Cannot wait for season two. Um, as we come to the final two categories, we're mixing things up a little bit this year. Uh, we're doing best non-superhero show and best superhero show. So our categories have changed just slightly. I wanted to make sure that we got, um, gave some credit to the non-superhero shows since this podcast tends to be a little bit superhero heavy, as it should. But there are also ones, there are also shows that deserve some credit that aren't superhero shows. Best non-superhero show, Mo. I have a tie. Okay. It is Ghosts on CBS and Ghosts uh, from from the BBC and airing in this country on HBO Max. Uh, if they you're not both, wait, wait, the BBC version one premiered in 2021. Yes, but it still qualifies as a. But this is best non superhero show. There's no qualifier on here about whether it being new or not. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I will you you threaded that needle very carefully and you could defend it. So go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. See, you see, I had to get my non my uh non doc British Doctor Who show in here somehow. And I threaded that needle for that. And and okay. here's the thing about about ghosts. If if you've seen the CBS version, and it it's fairly popular. And what I like about it, it is very easy to watch. It is it leaves you in a really good mood when I watch it. It has this very carefree quality about it. Uh, love Rose McIver in there. I think this is an interesting direction for her. Uh, you know, I know Dan goes back to her with Power Rangers. Damn and, right. And you know, she was on a CW show, I Zombie, which uh, for 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 four seasons, which was an adaptation of a, a DC character. And I think that her pivoting to this to this property now is a really smart move for her. I think that. The fact that the ghosts on the American version are similar but different than the British version. And if, if anything, 
we have characters on the Amer- CBS version which really fall in line with American history as it would instead of the British version. Now, I think what the British version does really well that the CBS doesn't version cannot do is I think that it does a much better job at the backstories for the ghosts. I think that the humor is a bit more black. It's a bit more dark black humor. I think in it's a bit more. I even say uh, I think it's a bit more gory. Um, not that you know you've got blood splattering everywhere. I just think that you know with your headless. Uh, ghost and so forth. You you can play up those elements a little bit more. I like the fact that the British versions are, they are a bit longer than the American versions. Um, you have fewer episodes and you have a Christmas episode as well. It, it's it, they really complement each other. If you have watched the CBS version, I do recommend you trying you sampling the, the British version, which again is on HBO Max for those uh, who get HBO Max in this country. Uh, I think you, you'll find something really nice about two sides of the same coin for this franchise. Mel? I have a tie as well. It is Netflix's Lost in Space and Freeform's Motherland Fort Salem. Lost in Space aired its final season last month, and it did not disappoint. It was only eight episodes, but just to see the children actually were running to the show, and they were trying to get back to their parents. They eventually made it back. Of course, you know, there is this entire colony of alien robots stalking them. They finally, excuse me, make it back home. And they still have to battle these aliens. And you really see all of the relationships from over the seasons come together. And it was just a really nice final season for that show. I also had Motherland Fort Salem, which aired its second season. Man, that is a great show about witches. I love all of their different twists on everything. I love how the Camarilla is back. They are, you know, injecting our witches with the witch plague. There are villains all through the government. Surprise, surprise there. It's really a show that fires on all cylinders. And I was happy to see that it was coming back for a season three, but it's going to be the final season, which makes me sad. So those are my two. Dan? Uh, for me, I chose Archer. I I really enjoyed this season. It, they took a little bit of a different turn with this season uh, going into environmentalism. I wasn't sure about it, but it still had the jokes. It still uh, had the laughs. I, I And it really had a really nice ending, you know, with, um, you know, getting to getting to say goodbye to uh, Jessica Walters uh, as Mallory Archer. Um, and I, I was really, really, I felt really, really good about them landing that plane, you know, with, with a lot of respect and love and dignity. And it was exactly what you would think it would be. Um, and I'm really excited for more adventures. Um, but obviously we're going to miss Mallory. And so it, I mean, it is what it is. It, it's sad, but um, it was it was a really uh, heartfelt time this year. My best non-superhero show is Kung Fu. This one totally snuck up on me. It 
was a movie that, or I'm sorry, it was a TV show that had so much heart, whether it's the sibling dynamic of the three siblings, whether or not it was uh, Nikki learning about her family's past and then the secrets of her mother and how that all played out. There was um, the father and the shop. There was the ex-boyfriend who she still had a good relationship with. And then there was just the action and the mythology and everything that they did to build this story up. Even though it was a new show, it was still my favorite non-superhero show of the year. So for me, that's who I have. Uh, Which brings us to show of the year. Mel, what was was your biggest show of the year? It can't be anything... It can't be anything other than WandaVision for me. You want to talk about a show that absolutely took over the zeitgeist? It is WandaVision. You couldn't escape it, even if you wanted to. It had people who don't even enjoy superheroes trying to watch it and see what's going on because everyone was talking about it. It was such a interesting story, too, for Marvel, because Marvel, of course, you know, they're all about their linear storytelling, you know. It's like this movie, next movie, next movie, you know what's going on. I think this is the first one we've had in a long time where you just were dropped in and you didn't know what was going on for the first two episodes. You were like, I don't know what's happening. I'm going to stick with it. And I'm so glad we all did, because by that third episode, that show was firing on all cylinders. The cast, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, um, Tiana Paris, fantastic, all of them. And I really felt like Elizabeth Olsen did a great job um, portraying Wanda's grief. Dan Dan talked about that earlier. So it is all around in 2021. I don't think there was a bigger show. Wanda Vision. Dan? Two for two right here. Uh, WandaVision. I mean, there's not much else I could say. I've I've talked about this show three times already, but I'm just it was it, they knocked it out of the park um, and they had a performance that they can't repeat because you can't do WandaVision a, another season. You like they it was just that good and it hit us at the right time and we were all enamored. And so, yeah, WandaVision. Mo? It is not WandaVision. For me, my show of the year is Superman and Lois. I mean, hands down, this is the Superman show that I, A, wanted but didn't know I want at the same time. Uh, Certainly, you know, over the decades, we've gotten uh, Superman shows, whether it was Lois and Clark, whether it was Smallville, whether it was even that uh, Superboy show from the 80s. Here is a mature Superman show. And by mature, I mean, we have a Superman show where he's dealing, Clark is dealing with the superheroics, the day to day of being Superman. But he's also having to grapple with family issues with his two sons, um, Jordan and Jonathan. It's balancing a, a, a life with Lois. It is having, even dealing with the, with an ailing parent and a, ailing parent that dies rather quickly in the show but it's still dealing with all those things that normal people have to deal with plus you got people who want to kill him including a secret brother okay from krypton and i i think that i think luke you you said this in a in a previous podcast like 
this is the Arrowverse grown up. And this, to me, is the next step in the evolution of these Arrowverse shows. And I, I hopefully the second season of Superman and Lois lives up and builds upon the hype and the storytelling that we got in the first season. And for an 80-year-old character, I mean, Superman is 80 years old, and it still is able to resonate with the public in a very new and exciting way. Well, it looks like we're cut down the middle 50-50, because mine is also Superman and Lois. <sighs> Mo quoted me, so I won't repeat my own quote, but um, this is... I pretty close to what I would consider the zenith for superhero shows on the CW. And the fact that it's now being on HBO Max as well, it is outstanding. The acting is flawless. The budget is, if they don't have a bigger budget, then they have um, significantly better technology for the cinematography because the cinematography is amazing. They have everything worked out in this show from the com the extremely compelling intimate family drama to the galactic save the planet. Every bit of that is imbued with character. It is imbued with honesty. It is imbued with the uncomfortableness of dealing with family, even though you love them, you still sometimes have to say or do difficult things. I thought that how they handled the Lex Luthor was really well done. I liked that we had the introduction of Clark's family in into the show as the primary villain. And I like how they made Smallville. Smallville wasn't just like a backdrop they actually incorporated it into the story so that it became almost another character through the lives of the characters that we were seeing on screen. You felt bad for Smallville being this, this community that is losing jobs, that is going down the toilet, uh, economically speaking, and how they're desperate to rely on something, and you're seeing the choices that are being made. We still got to have Lois as an intrepid reporter, which is what we would expect if she was in Metropolis. But then you think, how is she going to do that in a small community? It turns out that small communities have equally, and I come from a small community, I'm just saying in television it's not normally depicted this way, but it turns out in the, on this show they were able to write it so that the, the small community had equally high stakes from a reporting standpoint. Everything about this series is so well done. It is definitely my um, show of the year. I'm so excited that season two is back. Um, I'm going to be watching it well, as a, after this podcast. I cannot wait. And so for me, S Superman and Lois is the show of the year. So we have two for Super Superman and Lois, and we have two for WandaVision. Uh, so I guess that... that 
And based on how the movie podcast went in a couple of these, Mo and I seem to be on the same page on things, and Dan and Mel seem to be on uh, the page for se- these. Maybe it's the age differences. I'm not I'm about sure. To say, but old school versus <laughs> new school, baby. Oh, oh that's right. No, that's right. So on that note, you can comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com facebook.com slash GK confidential. You can also find the link to the Facebook group where we post and discuss um, topics um, on the site at geekconfidential.com. It's up in the main menu. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mo is at M. Uh, I was going to say MPJ. That's, that's a wrong person that starts with M. Um, uh, Mo, Mo is Dr. Mo 77. Dan is real Dan Pierce and Mel is Melody Akles. We thank you for listening until next time. So long. See ya. Yeah.